This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Zufi. Look at this. It's our first video podcast. <laughs> it's a vod vodcast. It's a vodcast. And, you know, I think the nicest thing about doing a video podcast, you get all worried about how your hair is going to look, and then you remember you're going to put on big old headphones. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Also, merch, 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 merch. You merch. had these little, these bad boys made up. I didn't. Yeah, nobody can get this yet, but these are, I. those were Christmas gifts to everybody who works on family trips with us, you included. Yeah. And they're comfy cozy. They're comfy cozy. So they're not for sale. Sorry, that's, we probably should have gotten that. <laughs> we'll figure ready that to out. go before we showed them off. But you know what? Look, there's finally there's a YouTube comment section for you to let us know what you think, and so you go down there and be yay or nay on whether or not we should actually uh, get these for sale. Yeah, and don't be mean. In that yeah, don't be mean section. about the sweatshirts in the YouTube comments or in general. Or, and yeah, or, or if you're gonna be mean, be funny about it. Yeah, I mean four eyes. I feel like I give you permission to call Posh <sighs> four eyes. <laughs> I can't see anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh hey, oh, hey, two eyes. There's the two eyes I grew up with. Um, I can't believe it. I got, by the way, I got three kids. I'm up to 10 eyes now. Mm, yeah. Both Ash and Axel wearing glasses. Adorable. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Adorable. But you still kind of, you're still like holding out. I mean, I'm basically have no idea who you are other than your voice. <laughs> yeah. I well. am holding out. I am holding out. I don't know why. Yeah. 50 years old. There's something nice about being able to see, uh, I've found. You prefer seeing. I prefer seeing clearly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is really exciting because this is a new way for mom and dad to watch the podcast and give us feedback. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, are they going to watch this? Are they going to watch on video? They're going to have a lot. Of, you know what they're going to want? I'll tell you what they're going to want. A link. Yeah. It's, we'll it's going to be on YouTube and they're going to still, we're going to still need to send them a link. Do you think they're going to uh, beam it to their screen and yeah, watch it on their be, television? There'll probably be some version of, of beaming it. Do you think they'll download it to their iPads and watch it on a plane with no headphones in? Probably. Apparently, Dad's done that a couple times recently, that he will have his headphones on wireless and they're not connected to his ipad and he's just blasting oh like, so he thinks it's coming through his headphones to his yeah. defense but and and his uh in prosecution of him he it's that's not the case yeah there's a plane full of people listening to an episode of shameless and do you think mom tells him right away or she has to sigh and roll her eyes for like 15 minutes i think she tells him pretty quickly yeah i think she's but probably sure. is really cool about it do you think she's cool and chill <laughs> Well, this is, you know what? This is a video podcast. So, Pashi, why don't you do me a quick impression of mom when she realizes uh, dad's headphones aren't in? Larry, Larry, your headphones are connected. And now do dad. You think it was on purpose? <laughs> that was very good. That was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do the person across uh, the aisle from them. <laughs> I feel like they always, they often will book like, oh, we're gonna book the window in the aisle and just hope no one's in the middle. But then Ugh. it's like, and then yeah. what if someone shows up and they're in the middle? 
At the end of the flight, the the flight attendant takes them aside and gives them a million courtesy miles. <laughs> Anyone who ends up in the in the middle between Hillary and Larry. Oh, oh well, I wonder if this is harder for them to hear about themselves and also see it at the same time because they are very loyal listeners. Mom, they are our most loyal. Our most loyal, and we should tell our guests. I don't know. I I really first of all I want to say I really loved our conversation with Zach Woods that you're about to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Great also voice. a little concerned now. Mom and dad have given us a lot of grief. They are, they're real poshies. They, they want to hear about family trips. Dad in particular. Dad has sent us an email. Yeah. Where he's pointed out some guests that he's not been so excited about because of the lack of family trip conversations. Dad has, and it's really impressive, not the first time it's happened, went from a guy who'd never listened to a podcast to being one of America's foremost experts on podcasts. <laughs> He's the A.O. Scott of <laughs> podcast reviewers. Um, but he only reviews ours. He um, only reviews ours. God yeah. love him. Look, a lot of people have checked out parents who don't know what the fuck their kids are up to. Yeah. But yeah, I do like that he is uh, he's on Team Poshy in that respect. And uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to pull it towards family trips as much as I can. But at the same time, you know, and the thing I want to make clear is sometimes there are people we really like talking to and to no fault of their own, they either didn't have the luxury of going family trips or don't have a memory that helps them recall their family trips. Or they agreed to do the podcast and then they get on and they're like, wait, what's this podcast called? Yeah, that's, I will say. (laughs) Those are my favorite. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It happens. It happens. It happens. I will say, I obviously, I want to be talking more about family trips, but I have enjoyed every conversation we've had. Yeah. I think we talked to interesting people, and I'm glad that they're uh, they give up some of their time to talk to us. I think that's important, and I, you know, at the end of the day, Posh, I think you and I, we're the bread and butter, you know. Mm. Yeah, they <laughs> said it was a nice thing about us. You don't have to ice me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, who's the bread? Who's the butter? Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you're the bread because you're vegan. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's uh, no thanks. Whatever earth, you're about to earth, suggest as a substitute. Balance. I don't even know if that's uh, the kind of butter I'm eating. Yeah, no days, thank but, you. Yeah. No thank you. Um, so this is a, a wonderful fella by the name of Zach Woods. He's a terrific comedian, a lovely guy. I was l- lucky enough in the aughts, I would guess, to improvise a fair amount with him at UCB in New York City. And he's just a delight. Um, yeah, and you'll notice uh, if you're watching... My background's going to change because uh, we're recording this on different days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our outfits are going to change everything. It's going to be oh, a yeah. different thing. It's going to yeah. be jarring for everybody involved. But such out. is life of our first video podcast. I don't want to put too much on the video because I appreciate a lot of you are still listening to it like a regular podcast. But for those of you, I just want to say I look great and Josh looks like shit. <laughs> Also, if you're curious, like, uh, you know, we're on Zoom here and the way it works is we jump on and we're talking for a minute and then our producer goes and gets the guest set up and then they just sort of pop up. So there's no conversation before uh, they pop up on our screen. Um, If it seems awkward. 
Yeah. And it's always fun. Um, it is to, fun. Yeah. I like that we just get to jump right into it. And there's, yeah, there's a reveal. And Zach, uh, for those of you, again, just listening, has a, a lovely wall color behind him and a lovely Gorgeous. piece of artwork. Gorgeous wall. And a man, his sweater. We're going to talk about his sweater. Oh, you're going to enjoy it. All right. Please enjoy this conversation with our friend, Zach Woods. doing great how are you great you're a very handsome man oh my god Ah. thank you that's important because this is our first one of these that's on video as well really yeah yeah you're wearing such a nice cozy sweater was your glam squad over before you jumped here since 6 a.m and then they just (laughs) they just left just with like a look of defeat it wasn't like it was finished they just kind of i could you could just feel them give up they left a little bit more money than you had paid them in the first place. That's right. <laughs> they were like, hey, you need a geneticist, not a cosmetologist. Uh, but um, you do. Josh is right. You look very cozy. I, I would almost imagine that you're on the East Coast, but that's not the case, I'm going to say, right? There's an atmospheric river here, baby. And there is. everyone is getting their kind of celestial seasons vibe on. <laughs> And me very much included. I regret that sentence the second it came out of my mouth. But it is. I'm I'm also in Los Angeles. And so I'm I'm in the midst of the atmospheric river. And it's full on. It's crazy. And a guy in our building um, sent out an email last night and was like, you know, there's water coming through some of the garages. And it's not like this rain's biblical. And I guess like, yeah, it's not biblical. It's not like, you know, Noah needs to build his ark. But it's about as close to biblical as you can get out here. Like it's... A second atmospheric river in the same week. Yeah. I mean, it's like Erewhon is almost wet. If that doesn't have a kind of biblical <laughs> yeah. significance, I, you know, the Erewhon, the Studio City Erewhon's about to have its uh, $60 tote bags floating down the aisles. And oh, my goodness. Would you say it's like, one? Is it one of every animal? Would you say that's where it's at? Sorry yeah. for the Noah situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd create a great, interesting future. Yeah. If, if just one of every animal, it's like, all right, who can procreate? Figure it out. It's yeah. just a bunch of masturbating animals. I don't think that, <laughs> gonna... There's got to be some sort of cross-pollination thing that goes on. It's like, oh, this donkey turns out uh, can get down with a squirrel. I think Zach's right. I think it's a lot. Of, inside that arc, it's just a lot of animals rubbing against the side of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> just super, just, just jamming it hard against the side of the arc. The janitor is like, why didn't you bring second animals? So my day is just, <laughs> is hell. I know this is supposed to be salvation, but I'd rather just have perished with the rest of the sinners. Or at least a second janitor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, right, he's like, oh, you bring two of everything, but only one janitor? <laughs> it's weird because I do feel like, and this is definitely what people are listening for, is my take on the Noah's Ark thing. But you do realize... <laughs> In the story, I'd always thought, oh, when they got where the ark was going, that's when the animals started doing it. But everything I know about animals, they'd start boning right on that ark, right? If anything, the romance of travel probably was an aphrodisiac. <laughs> They're like, you know, I've seen, I've, I usually see you 
foraging for the same nuts all the time. And it, there's a kind of quotidian sameness. But now that we're on a cruise, it zhuzhes our, our, our uh, rapport. I mean, I also think that, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I guess I never thought about this before either. But the thought of two animals, like to be like, we're going to bring two of each animal. It's just weird that it's so focused on on animals and sex. It's like immediate, a flood's coming. Okay, how do we have enough animals to have sex with you? <laughs> it's just a weird. Yeah, this is a this is a the I know I'm not totally clear, but this is a theological kind of deep dive podcast, right? This is about <laughs> scriptural yeah, analysis, yeah. but without either of us having any of the underpinnings <laughs> required to reach a proper conclusion. Right. We make sweeping statements about the sacred texts that are most intimate to people's lives. Zach, this is a show about family trips. And I'm very excited because you have what is a fascinating birth order situation. You're you're the tweener, right in the middle, older brother, younger sister. You got it. Three got years it. on each side? Three years on each side. Damn. All right. That's about the extent of our research. So, yeah, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be your know. last, your final damn all right of the podcast. My, what I supplied to, the, you know, that game of like, I'm going on a camping trip and I'm bringing, do you know that game? Yeah, yeah I, I do. What I would bring on the trip was furious conflict. <laughs> I was, <laughs> it was like a joke where it was like, we would go on these trips, like we'd wake up early in the morning at like four in the morning, which to me at the time seemed like incredibly romantic and thrilling to drive down to the Outer Banks and beat the traffic. And we would have these mm -hmm. little like, uh, there's a game called Paperboy where you would put two like, I guess, double A batteries. And it was just one of these very rudimentary games. And we would listen to books on tape. But none of that would be necessary ultimately because I would pick a horrendous family disrupting fight on the way down and then that would make time fly it's like like familial <laughs> familial rage is a time machine it's like you you're like in north carolina before you know it so you did this as a gift to the family it was a yeah it was a benevolent act i mean at the time i didn't know it i thought i just hated the people who were most dear to me but uh but no in retrospect it was magnanimous yeah <laughs> did you what age were you uh setting these fights uh, a light. I think it went on for a long time to the extent that I don't remember when it started. I don't remember a time when it wasn't happening. <laughs> so I think I probably like got language and I was like, I know what to use this for. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you recall any of the any of the specifics of these fights or was it a general sense of? Uh, well, listen, I hesitate to tell this story because it I it's so indicting for me. I would ask the listeners to remember I was a wee boy and a fool. And I remain possibly, at least one possibly both. But what I would say is, okay, I was obsessed with Miles Davis when I was like a, a, a preteen, as all preteen boys are. Yeah. That's I went a, my by the way, that's a red flag for someone who's got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I was in my Miles Davis phase. You guys remember yours. And, and I would reread his autobiography called Miles again and again. And my recollection is that in that book, he's very critical of Louis Armstrong for doing what Miles Davis perceived as being, quote, uh, Uncle Tom, end quote, behavior. And actually, sorry, my dog is also condemning me from afar. Um, <laughs> Big Louis Armstrong like, fan, your dog. <laughs> <laughs> my dog's really more of a, like, a Billie Holiday guy. But anyway, um, so... 
he says that. Now, in reality, Louis Armstrong was actually quite an advocate for civil rights and wrote really critical letters to the president and blah, blah, blah. doesn't matter. I was just like hook, line and sinker. Miles Davis was my David Koresh and I was going with whatever he said. So we were in the car driving. I don't remember where, but on some vacation and Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World came on. And to immediately contradict the thesis of that song, I said, you know, this guy was an Uncle Tom. (laughs) At which point my father was like, no, he wasn't. And you definitely can't say that. (laughs) 12-year-old white boy. And my brother was like, yeah, he wasn't an Uncle Tom. And I was like, you idiots. I read Miles Davis's book. I know he was. And it escalated to the point where I literally reached across the middle seat and choked my brother because he would not admit that Miles Davis's unfair critique of Louis Armstrong was actually accurate. And that was just one of many. Yeah. So is your sister is between the two of you there? You got to reach across your sister to choke your brother? I think my sister had pulled so far within herself that she'd actually <laughs> physically disappeared at that point. Good <laughs> the, for her. <laughs> the environment was so toxic that she 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 unmade herself. No, I don't know. She was there, but she's two yeah. years younger. She, I mean, she has memories of this, I think, not of that particular fight, but I don't think she was a big fan of the kind of omnipresent verbal sparring. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by Nissan. Hey, Pashi, ever wonder what's around that next corner or what happens if you push further? Seth, I know that's something you ask me every day. Sure do, and that's why we're excited to partner with Nissan because Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. We love celebrating family adventures on this podcast called Family Trips. And one thing that has been a through line, a thread, if you will, Mm. through so many of these stories is having a car that is comfortable for your whole family when you're taking the adventures that you'll remember for a lifetime. So take a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. With the 2024 Nissan Rogue, the class-exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. No need to connect your phone as Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play stores are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system on the 2024 Nissan Rogue. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Family Trips. Now go find your next big adventure and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. I'm a foodie to the core. Whether it's in the kitchen, trying out a new recipe, and then having my wife come into that same kitchen and say, get out of the kitchen, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Or going to a new restaurant. And now whether I'm eating out or eating in, I can earn rewards with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Hey, Pashi. Yes, Sufi. Spent the holidays in New Mexico where my wife is from. You've been there. You've come every once in a while. Beautiful. And one of the best eating parts of the country that I was never aware of until I met Alexi, Southwestern cuisine, green chilies, red chilies. What do they call it when you order them both together? You know what it's called? It's called Christmas. Wow. And we're not just making that up. You can say Christmas all year round and they know that that's red and green together. You know what the best part is? What's that? Got to use my U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa signature card. And if you do the same thing, You'll earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, plus earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries. Think of all the rewards you will earn every time you make your favorite meal or order from your favorite restaurant. 
The Altitude Go-Kart also earns two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations, as well as on streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash Altitude Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Eat out or eat in with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Mind you, Sufi, this is a limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. If we had to say there was one of the siblings that was the most uh, to deal with on a road trip, would they immediately say it was you? Was this well known? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it was like a role. Gotcha. Yeah. What about you guys? Did you guys ever get in fights on trips? We didn't. We got in fights, but not. Nothing I mean, we crazy. were crazy. Nothing sustained. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we felt for... very much the same way about Miles Davis and, and Louis Armstrong. <laughs> we were always in lockstep about all that's of our good. jazz influences. <laughs> that's important for brothers, you know. If brothers. Yeah. That's. I don't know. Again, I don't know all the Bible stories, but I assume Cain and Abel. It was something about. You know, whether DECA or Blue Note were better record labels. (laughs) Um, But did you guys, what about, and when you guys would fight, was it physical or emotional or both? We didn't, I would say it got physical and I see it now in my boys, which is it just becomes grappling. The speed in which they're on the ground and then they kick at each other the way Homer Simpson runs on the ground where they just sort of speed, they kind of circle themselves and then come by and kick each other in the face. It's just like sort of revolving. It's just this energy that's within them that's sort of impossible to tame. I feel like that maybe was more of what we fought about. Yeah, because we never, I don't recall ever like connecting with a punch. Right. Really? Like, yeah, to your face. We're grappling. The other thing is, well, I always had old, I had my friends over and so it would always be, me and three people my age and Josh was there as well. And it was maybe a lack of sharing, say, turns on a video game console. My brother had a friend named Jonathan when I was probably like, I think like five years old. And he would just bully me relentlessly. And then my parents were never that keen on it, but they tried to be kind of non-interventionist with the kids. And then one day they heard Jonathan screaming outside, just going, ow, ow. And they came outside and I was tiny. I'd taken one of those yellow wiffle ball bats and was just clobbering Jonathan again and again with the wiffle ball bat. But he wasn't moving. He was just standing there and letting me um, uh, try to kill him. And and uh, he's just going, oh, ah, just standing there. Very complicated. I don't know why. It must have, been such a, must have been such a scene for your parents to walk outside and witness like... The the yellow of that wiffle of the classic wiffle ball bat really just like flying through the air and whacking on that kid. I try to make all my violence as cinematic as possible. <laughs> I think about the mise en scene. You, know. you waited for a gray day where the yellow would pop against the back. It also I do sometimes think that's a, maybe a bully's reaction, which is when the time comes that the sort of underling rises up, they are sort of frozen. Inaction becomes their mindset because they've never expected this to happen. Yeah, I think he must have hated himself. You know, it's like people are not, I think, as a rule, cruel indiscriminately unless they're in agony. I remember there was one bully, this guy named Steve, uh, who we can call Stephen King. And he was on the uh, he was on the school bus. And I remember he would yell 
he would yell out, who hates Steve? And everyone would cheer and he would cheer the loudest. <laughs> and he was a bully to everyone. But I remember that now and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. heartbreaking. It's sort of an undefeated uh, proposition that those people, bullies hate themselves. And he went on to burn down a lumberyard. Yeah. yeah. He burnt down a lumberyard? Yeah, he burned a lumberyard. I just think in the end, lumberyards are kind of asking for it. <laughs> you know, if you're going to have a full yard of flammables, you know. I mean, this is the ultimate victim blaming of a location. It's like, what did the, how did the lumberyard look? What was it? What was it wearing? Driest wood up front in a big old pile. Did he like just to build a little tent of kindling? Did he roll up newspaper? <laughs> and no. then the lumberyard was, was already on a bed of kindling. <laughs> oh, oh. But we're so quick to say, oh, Stephen did this, Stephen did that. <laughs> you make a valid point, honestly. I want to go back to something you said that was also true of us, which is books on tape. We were a mm. book on tape family, and I loved it so much. And even now, you know, we drive and we started letting our kids not letting, we would prefer them to listen to books on tape than the other options. And Which is like, you know, do like pharmaceuticals and stuff, like <laughs> hardcore pharmaceuticals, <laughs> like recreational. They, and again, they're always like, we got a prescription. I'm like, from where? Yes. And, yeah. But, you know, we loved listening to books on tape. And I think we yep. listened to stuff that was maybe a little bit more adult than kids, not, you know, not erotic, <laughs> but uh, Chatterley's <laughs> Lover. That was a big one. I remember we listened to uh, Catch-22, but it got like there was some violent stuff in there that was making me uncomfortable. And I remember making us turn it off because I was like, I'm, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. But were your parents this sort of maybe were they a little on the erudite side where they thought, let's listen to book on tapes with the whole family? It's interesting, like what you're saying about I mean, maybe that's the best possible way to like I can't think of a safer environment to broach uncomfortable things than like in a car with your parents through a book on tape. Like in terms of like exposure to difficult things, it's you could do worse. I remember some my parents version of that was we back when Netflix would send you DVDs, my parents got an, uh, something called Swingers, which I think or or no, it wasn't called The Swingers or something. Right. Mm -hmm. I think they might have thought it was the Vince Vaughn, John Favreau movie. I don't know. But anyway, it wasn't. It was a documentary about this community of um, polyamorous middle-aged people in the Adirondacks. And it was a documentary. And it begins. And right away, it's like some kind of like fleshy art therapist is like in a like a mildewy hammock getting railed by like, <laughs> you know, a man with a braid that's like a one long gray braid that's like slightly longer than the woman's. And it was just like the most like dank, like poorly lit, like Adirondack sex party with like dirty mattresses. And it was on. And I remember that was like the only thing where I ever tapped out where I was like, I got to go. And I think they I don't know if they watched the rest of it or not. I don't think so. But I wasn't there to find out because I was just like, I can't. This can't. This cannot be. Yeah. yeah. Josh watched the all time worst movie you could ever watch with a mom. Well, before we get to it, but, you know, blockbuster video um, would be around. And I was we were just, you know, kids from New Hampshire. So if something had done well at like. Sundance or like indie movies became a thing. And like, you know, we were into film. And so we'd like rent indie movies. And I went down and I rented uh, Spanking the Monkey. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it. 
But and I, I bet like, a lot of our listeners to this day don't know anything about it. I will only yeah. say don't watch it with your mom. Isn't that like the yep. David O. Russell movie about an Oedipal complex? Yep. <laughs> and I was watching. It was just me <laughs> and my mother watching <laughs> it. And at some point she was like, I'm going to go upstairs. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to turn this off. And we walked away from each other and we did not speak about it until years later. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, real bad call. That is amazing and i'm so happy that that happened i mean i'm i i wouldn't wish it on you but i'm glad it happened so i don't know what to make it's of that. Um, you couldn't do worse you really yeah, could not worse. do worse i was at college movie. at the time and i remember josh uh i was on the phone with him and he said have you seen that movie uh spank the monkey and i said i did i thought it was great what do you think and he said i watched it with mom and i was like oh <laughs> Well, I remember once hearing like we were I was with friends and I'd heard that. Um, what is that movie? Oh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I'd heard there was nudity in that movie. And so I had like friends over and I rented it because I thought it would be like a spicy movie. But that's like a Kandera <laughs> novel that got like adapted. And it's just like Juliette Binoche with like armpit hair and Daniel Day-Lewis having like grief stricken sex or something. I don't remember, yeah. but it's like not like kids, you know. It's not yes. like teenage. It's not Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. It's like, you know, literary. It's sex. like it would be in a section called gray sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just which, let's be honest, is probably most sex. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's you realize there's as bad as it is for kids to learn about sex watching pornography. I think watching sort of those real sex. Uh, or a documentary about swingers in the Adirondacks is the opposite way. Which is, this looks just awful, awful all around. It felt like compost or something. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) that was deaf compost. It was definitely compost. If they're up in the Adirondacks, the kind of people you say they were, yeah, they were composting early. It's like they like sex, Um, but they love composting. And (laughs) it just was, there's something about it. There's something where like, yeah, I think you're exactly right. There's a sweet spot. There's some John Waters quote that I really love where he said, I'm glad I was raised Catholic because sex will always be dirty. And I thought that was such a sweet, funny John Waters thing to say. (laughs) But there's the other side of it, which is people who are so comfortable and so rejoicing in their kind of, I don't know, their, their acceptance. And it's an enviable thing. I wish I were more like them, but there is something about it that makes me like shiver in horror. And that's my, that's my bad. That's not on them, but like, I don't know. Yeah, but like we've never, you know, Seth and I have never been people that like talk about, it's not like kiss and telling and talking about sex. Like it's always made me uncomfortable if a guy's like, oh, like I was with this girl last night and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this, this conversation. That's, uh, yeah, it makes me uneasy. Yes. Yeah, because often it will be either like objectifying, which is depressing and upsetting or so intimate that you're kind of like, I don't, I, I'm lost. Yeah. But anyway, so, but we would listen to the big books on tape that we would listen to was called The Fool and the Flying Ship. And it's uh, Robin Williams does all these different voices and it's, it's, uh, and then something called The Golden Drum, which was like about some kind of, I don't remember. But yeah, what were your, what were your, so Catch 22, what else? No, I mean, that was one we turned out, but we did a lot of Gene Shepard. Oh. Um, Who's like the voice from uh, A Christmas Story? Oh yeah, uh, that was yeah. yeah. And so we did a lot of him. And can you uh, can you remember that? I would feel like we would do 
there was some James Bond books on tapes. We listened to those. Maybe some biography stuff of people we liked. It's interesting you say Robin Williams. Does that mean your parents liked comedy? Yeah, I mean, they weren't like comedy fans. Like they weren't, they're not like the people where they they had like records of, you know, yeah. whatever, George Carlin or, or Bill Cosby or whoever in the house. It was just, uh, but they, they were funny people. I mean, the other thing is my father would kind of like deliberately, I, my father, I think at the time was not a huge believer in childhood as a concept. And so he would expose us to stuff that was like, he knew, like, did, did you ever read the, the story, The Lottery, Shirley Jackson? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that was like a bedtime story. He read that to us. And for the <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the lottery begins is all these people gathered in a New England town square. And this girl wins the lottery and she goes, no, it's not fair. It's not fair. And you're thinking, why doesn't she want to win the lottery? Come to find out whoever wins the lottery gets stoned to death in an old pagan crop ritual. And everyone in the town throws stones at them until they're dead. And my father was like, you know, choosing between the Berenstain Bears and that. And he chose that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say that I definitely read the lottery in college. They, even high school thought, you know what? Let's kick this can down the road. I don't <laughs> want to be here when these kids read this. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe your dad was just like, well, this is the way it used to be. And so no matter how, how bad a day you might be having, could be living in the lottery days. Well, and also as a parent, you don't want to, you don't want your kid to die in a pagan ritual and think, should I have warned them? Did I not do my job <laughs> right, as a right. parent? There's so few threats to young, straight, white men, but pagan rituals are a big, <laughs> big risk for us. So It, it also helps uh, teach kids not to play the lottery at all. That's you know what? True. Even even the upside lottery is a ripoff. I mean, sure, you're not going to get stoned to death, but let's be honest. It's either a tax now, on hope or a community murder. Yeah. You, uh, you grew up in Yardley, Pennsylvania? True. So now where in Pennsylvania is that? That's Eastern Pennsylvania? Despite the fact that I grew up there, I can't give you directions. <laughs> like, I don't know the names of streets. It's so weird. I spent like 15 years Is it there. like the Brigadoon of Pennsylvania? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, you just have to be there in the right time and place. And yeah, As long as you're on like a Scottish hunting expedition in the mist, you'll end up in Yardley, <laughs> Pennsylvania. You'll be like, I want to be back in Scotland. Like, what is this? Um, it was, uh, you know, in retrospect, it's kind of like an idea. Like, it's right across the Delaware River from Trent, New Jersey. So I think that's sort of like okay. southeast. Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'm going to say Southeast, yeah. And there's a bridge in Trenton that says, um, Trenton makes the world takes, that connects the New Jersey side to my town. And I always thought that was a indignant sounding sign, where it's just like, I know they were meant like we're a manufacturing hub, but it always seemed to me like Trenton makes and the world just takes and takes and takes. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's a really lovely place. I I was a kind of stressed out, high-strung slightly lonesome kid. So I didn't love it's it. Someone told me this thing once where they were like, places aren't places, they're times. And so when you think of a place, usually what you're actually thinking of is a time you're thinking of a, a, a time in your life and a group of people. And, and I think as a place, Yardley is probably really nice as a time. It's so freighted with all those associations that I, I it's hard for me to disassociate them. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I just went back and did stand up in our hometown where we went to high school, I should Whoa. say, in Manchester, New Hampshire. And it's, you know, our parents still live there. So we see it a lot. 
But when we visit home, we don't drive around where our old high school was. And that's near where our show was. And I agree. It was not, I did not feel like I was back in a place. I felt like I was back in a time. And then you just have all these issues of nostalgia that you weren't prepared for. So I very much get that classification. It's interesting though, to go back, did you perform in a venue that you had attended as a high school student? I know it was a new venue because I also, I, because I graduated high school like 32 years ago. (laughs) So there's like millions of new, new performing arts venues. Do you, I met a woman once who said her grandmother, she was from Maine and her grandmother would always tell her, never marry a man who has not survived a New England winter. Um, Do you feel like there was a kind of flinty character building thing that you got from New England? I do. I do feel that the winters that we grew up with are so much worse than anything I've seen since. Maybe I was just smaller, so the snow seemed higher. Yeah, I don't know. It all it always it all just felt fun to me. I feel like the things that I had to deal with were like, we gotta bring a bunch of wood upstairs, like for fires, or we gotta, you know, shovel shovel the front walk. But like those those were like kind of fun chores. And when you're out there doing that stuff, then you like go play in the snow. Like I Did you ever feel like you was there ever a situation where you were like uh oh, I'm about to freeze to death. Like my car isn't starting, and I'm in a parking lot, and there's roads are snowy. Like, did you ever feel like you had a brush with the New England Reaper? There was one time we were in the car with our mom, one of our first winters there, where the car was getting off the highway and did a full 360, <gasps> and then mm. just did a 360, and then went ended up going in the rack, exact direction we've been heading, and that felt like. The moment before disaster, like every way you're supposed to feel, like my stomach was floating, and then the second half never happened. Whoa. It was just this weird. And it wasn't one of the famous Mrs. Myers donuts that she would do, right? (laughs) No. No. Because that, because in the ice, you can't hear the wheels squealing, and that was the whole reason she did it. Because we would say, why are you doing this? You're a school teacher. Don't draw this kind of, and she's like, I just love that sweet squeal. That's what she would always say. She'd say, I love that sweet, sweet squeal. That's yeah, that she kinda. did. She did for a while drive uh, a black Camaro, and her license plate. She was a French teacher, and her license plate said "Vite," which means "quick" in French. So she's pretty hardcore. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's she had cool. like a little Saab turbo after that. But right. I used to drive around in our. Um, we had a Volkswagen Golf. And uh, I would deliver pizzas. And when it was snowy, it was like a junk car. But when it was snowy, I would just throw up the emergency brake and like slam into uh, snow banks and things. And like like it was a toy car. Um, But I, yeah, it was just like, I can bang the side of this car. It's all right. Like no, no one wants this car. I do remember being at house parties on nights where it was snowing and thinking we got to get home before you can't drive. That's a very yeah, responsible. Was, yeah. I mean, they gave me made me think of two things. There was some recently these guys who died like right outside their friend's house after a playoff game because I guess they were drunk or something. I don't know what the whole story. But and then we were thinking about the car for a long time when I lived in L.A., I had like a really, really beat up old Toyota Camry that was full of trash, like a Thanksgiving float for the idea of depression. Like it was just <laughs> it just was like depression in vehicle form. And I just it was so trashed and it would give me immense pleasure in L.A. 
to just call people's bluffs all the time. There'd be some guy in like a McLaren who wasn't letting me in. And I'm like, I'm going. And if we <laughs> bang into each other, it's going to be fine for me. <laughs> like, I don't care. It was so, I was just so bulletproof. It's like in the movie when the guy's like, I'll fucking kill you. And he's like, I'm already dead. You know, it's, I felt like that. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. Family Trips is supported by Sundays. Posh. Yasuf. We're dog owners. Yeah. You care about what they eat, right? I do. They're getting like good stuff because they're getting Sundays for dogs. Sundays is a fresh dog food made from a short list of human grade ingredients. Sundays was co-founded by Dr. Tony Waxman, a practicing veterinarian who tests and formulates every version of each recipe. Sundays contains 90% meat, 10% superfoods, and 0% synthetic nutrients or artificial ingredients. And you know my dog, Frisbee. Yeah, I do. She'll sniff out a synthetic nutrient to try to slip one into her food. Yeah. And the thing about Sundays is dog parents have reported noticeable health improvements in their pups, including softer fur, fresher breath, better poops, and more energy after switching to Sundays. Frisbee's poops are so good now, I say to my wife, should we save that? <laughs> yeah, you should get like a little glass dome that you put over like a yeah. nice cheese board. We'll get that. Yeah. When you start a Sunday subscription, you automatically get 20% off and free shipping on every reorder. Cancel or pause your subscription anytime with their 100% satisfaction guarantee. Every order ships right to your door so you'll never worry about running out of dog food again. Get 40% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash trips or use code TRIPS at checkout. Support for Family Trips comes from Fidelity. We've all got old things lying around. Listen, if one of those things is an old 401k, it's time to take care of it. Whether you recently left a job or you're just making time to get your finances in order, Fidelity can help you explore options for your old 401k. A Fidelity rollover IRA has no account fees or minimums, plus you can choose from a wide selection of investments. Learn more about options that may give you flexibility for using your money today and for your future. It's an easy-to-follow rollover process that makes it simple to get started online in under 15 minutes. And just in case you need any help along the way, you'll have access to one of Fidelity's rollover specialists. So why leave that 401k lying around? It's time to make sure you keep your money working as hard as you do. Learn more about a 401k rollover at fidelity.com slash rollover. Consider all your options and the applicable fees and features of each before moving your retirement assets. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Family Trips is supported by ZocDoc. We all know there are things in your life you have to compromise on. For example, I'd like a basement, but I live in New York City, so I'm not going to get one. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find a doctor you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score some same day appointments. And that, I can tell you, living in a big city with a lot of people and not enough doctors, sometimes you need to see one right away. And it's great to have a tool like ZocDoc that shortens that wait time. Go to ZocDoc. 
zocdoc.com slash trips and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoc.com slash trips, zocdoc.com slash trips. Z-O-C, D-O-C dot com, ZocDoc. You, uh, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned very early on about the Outer Banks. Yes. Was that a common destination? Yeah, we would go down to the Outer Banks and we would go to Ocracoke sometimes, like to visit, which is, I think, an island that has wild horses on it, who I'm sure just like perpetually irritated by the meddling tourists. But also the things I would really look forward to when we would go on vacation, basically I hated vacations, um, which is a really like kind of bitchy little Lord Fauntleroy thing to say. But I think I was so <laughs> anxious that any change in my environment would just make me kind of, I think that's partly why I was constantly picking fights. But um, the Outer Banks, I would look forward to the water slides and the hush puppies. Those were the two things I liked. And I also remember we would rent boogie boards and you would, you know, you, you would, rent, you would uh, clasp the boogie board thing to your wrist. And I remember, I don't think I've ever felt more handsome in my entire life than when I was like nine years old with that thing around my wrist. I just remember feeling like, wow, I'm really a catch. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. You're like, this isn't a, wa- this isn't a watch. This is a boogie board. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, so my boy's boogie board now, and you saying that, when my seven-year-old has it, that is maybe when I now realize he's the hunkiest. Because there is just something about a kid pulling water sports gear, yes, behind themselves is it's a good look. So did you did you always go to the same place in the Outer Banks? Um, was there like a house that you rented? Yeah, it was this one area. I don't. It wasn't always the same house, but there was pirate. I remember there was pirate lore. Like there was an old sunken ship, and they would talk about how mean pirates were to each other. They were always beating on each other and pirates had a code and it just sounded, I remember feeling bad for the pirates and just thinking like, oh, this sounds lonely and brutal and you're just getting like beat up. Like, it seems to me that like, I was shocked by how much pirates beat each other because I just thought, well, isn't the whole point of being a pirate to escape that kind of hierarchical thing? Nope, pirates yeah. too. It's just like, they're such mean girls to each other. Did you ever look in the mirror and realize on the drive down there, you had been the pirate? <laughs> In the car. I think you're the emotional mirror that's showing me my reflection for the first time. (laughs) It is so funny to have a takeaway of pirate lore that I just thought this was a little bit more all drinking and singing and having the beer in one arm and moving it back and forth with your friends and shanties. That's what I thought. It's all jigs and those weird octagonal accordions that... (laughs) Yeah, um, exactly. But concertina. Yeah, concertina. I knew... I knew every now and then someone was going off the plank, but I didn't think it was just a, you know, 24-7 slap fight. Well, that bums me out. Well, and also the plank thing I thought was like a rollicking kind of lawlessness. But I think they'd be like, oh, oh this is the, f- oh, I remember this. This kept me up. This really fucked me up for a long time. They did this thing where if a pirate did something they didn't like, they would put them on the anchor and then kind of swing them up and down and they would try to hang on. And I guess if they fell off, that was it. That's curtains. So it's this kind of amusement and public humiliation while this pirate is holding on to this anchor that's getting swung. And I just thought, this is horrible. I remember, you know, when you're a kid and you just learn just how cruel people can be. I remember that was one of those moments where it's like, oh no, like, yeah, 
You know he didn't have a good I life just... to become a pirate. He had a bad childhood. <laughs> yeah. He didn't need He was more. already he running. Was... Yeah, yeah. He's already hanging on to an um, anchor. I'm sure you guys and everyone has watched uh, Black Sails, the Michael Bay uh, pirate show on Stars that has three seasons. But sure, I sure, sure. couldn't get enough of it recently. And uh, yeah, they did one thing where a bad pirate, a guy that the pirates were mad at, they like dropped him from one side off the boat and then dragged him underneath across all the barnacles and then pulled him up. And then like they do it again. And it was, yeah. Rough stuff. It's like, so you're Rough drowning. Stuff. It's just such Baroque cruelty. It's so, it's so like elaborate. And it's, and look, they're not good guys. A lot of these pirates who do that. Mm-hmm. I, as you, yeah. I remember also the boo box from um, Hook. Remember when they put Glenn Close dressed as a man in the boo box? And do you remember this? I don't I do, I do not. No. Oh, okay. So in the, in Hook, which I believe was a Steven Spielberg movie starring Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams again, there's a pirate who they're mad at. So they they put him in the boo box, which is a little box. And then they drop scorpions on him. And and the pirate in the boo box was played by Glenn Close, dressed as a man. Hmm. I think Broad City maybe made a joke about how it was like the prologue to Albert Nobbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I know the last line to Albert Nobbs. What is it? Oh, Albert. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> I haven't seen Albert Nobbs, but there was a lot of talk about it at SNL when I was working there. Oh, Albert. Well, spoiler alert. Um, did you go anywhere else? Were there any other vacations? Were you Because that was a drive mm-hmm. um, to get down to the Outer Banks for you. Did you ever fly anywhere? Were there any other, um, any other variety to your family vacations? My aunt and uncle took us to Disney World where I wet the pullout couch a lot. And uh, had a grand old time aside from that unpleasantness. And then I, we also would rent houseboats, which were like these, they were basically just trailers, but they were on pontoons. And in Canada, we would go around on those. But I assume anyone watching this already assumed that from my sweater that I had <laughs> vacations. How were the boat vacations? Were you a fan? No, I, I, I always okay. just wanted to be at home in familiar circumstances i think we also went to a place called suits us farm which was this it was one of those places that kind of passes off its rusticness as a virtue you know you know where it's like and you get to milk your own cow or whatever um i mean you didn't have to milk your own cow sorry i lost i don't really have any good suits us farm stories it's just right yeah you but you did not milk your own cow no not even once yeah can I loop can I loop back and tell a quick pirate story? Yes, please. Sure. Okay. Well, it's and I want to find hopefully I can find the photo. Maybe we'll put it in show notes. There was a pirate themed party on the beach last summer for one of my son's friends. And so first of all, they were giving out a lot of eye patches. And I should say I got a middle one just like you, Zach, older brother, younger sister, Axel. He's very funny. He put on two eye patches. <laughs> And, on both eyes. Uh, both one on each eye. And then uh, sometimes he's funny uh, completely inadvertently. And he said, uh, Dad, look, I'm wearing two patches. And I turned around and I said, oh, that's great. And then he just walked into a rock and started to scream. <laughs> but even better, he wears glasses. And later in the party, he came over. And as a parent, any parent who has a kid with glasses will know this, you're constantly worried when you don't see the glasses. And I said, Axel, where are the glasses? And he said, oh, don't worry. I buried them and I put an X marks the spot. And you just look 
up and down this beach. The thousand kid feet. There's no, it's not like what you picture as a pirate. And so I'm like, Axel, we got to find that X right now. And he and I were walking up the beach and nothing. And he looks up to me at one point and he goes, I don't see it. I don't see it. And he looks up at me with his, he has a one eye is severely crossed when he's not wearing his glasses. And he looks up at me and goes, guess I shouldn't have buried my glasses. <laughs> that is so sweet. Really good. You know what's just. He would make a terrible pilot. Pirate. Great pilot. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> as long as he has his glasses. Yeah. Of right. It reminded me, my family went on a vacation to, like, as an adult with my nieces to New, Ham- New Hampshire, to a lake in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I, because I still remain very squirrely about vacations, sometimes I would just go to the Walmart because I just wanted to be around people. And so I just hang out in the Walmart because the lake, the serenity of the lake, I was just like, I'm, I'm climbing the walls. But one thing I did is I brought different pirate stuff. So... My nieces were really young at the time, so I would leave little evidence of pirates around every day until the last day when I buried like a treasure chest down by the beach so that they could find the treasure chest and they feel like they found Lake Pirates treasure. And then um, they dug it up and my niece was so freaked out. She was like, we got to put it back. They're going to be so angry. (laughs) She was really worried about like incurring the wrath of the pirates. And I got this thing too that is... um, it's a face with suction cups that, it, so you can suction cup this leering face onto the outside window. Um, so I did that with my sister and her then girlfriend. And so when they went to go to bed, there was this man's face just staring. <laughs> like it's a three dimensional face. It was very funny. I liked it a lot. <laughs> that Man. sounds terrible. Yeah, I heard people say they're not ones for serenity, but that really takes the cake that you would leave a lake to go hang out in a New Hampshire Walmart. I loved it. It was so relaxing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the soothing balm of American commerce. So did your parents know when you were little, Zach doesn't like vacations and were your siblings different? That's a good question. I think I was probably too lost in my own rage cyclone to be that attentive to their experience of the vacations. I think they probably just thought like, oh, Zach's kind of an angry kid. (laughs) Um, I don't think they connected it necessarily to the vacations until after the fact. I mean, so if you've got all this rage, are you actively yelling at your family on a semi-regular basis? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yelling. Yeah. Or also, it's a funny thing, you know, I think like, I was from a very verbal family, so it was a lot of kind of like, but weak bodies, noodle arms, sharp tongues, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So most The barbs are on your tongue. Yes, exactly. So if you wanted yeah. to really go for blood, physical was not the route to take. I think we would end up poking at each other's kind of areas of <laughs> personal weakness. Yeah, yeah. which in retrospect is <laughs> kind of worse. That's right. When you're talking about like your boys like doing the Homer Simpson run on the ground, it seems like all all told like a pretty healthy way of dealing with frustration and aggression. Is this, would you be scared of that pirate? Oh my God, that is so <laughs> cute. <laughs> it's the confidence stance, I think is my favorite thing about it. Yeah, I'd honestly be oh, scared boy. of, uh, that frightens me because it mes- makes me question my life decisions about not having kids. 
He's so adorable. But, oh, this is yeah. another thing I heard about. I don't know why this is such a pirate-centric thing. But I, I heard this. I don't know if it's true or not. But I heard that the reason pirates would wear eye patches, I always assumed it was because their eyes were damaged underneath. Oh, I heard this you recently, know this? too. Tell me. Tell me yours. I, but now I can't remember. Now I can't remember what it is. But it's good. What I heard is that it's because if you were at a naval battle, you'd be fighting above decks with a sword. And then you have to go below decks to fight someone. And you would need adjust to the darkness below decks. So if you had an eye patch on in battle, one eye is already dilated. So then when you go below decks, you flip that patch up and it's like night vision for the below decks. You don't have to wait for your eyes to adjust while someone who is waiting below decks is ready to stab you. I don't know if it's true or not. Wow. I yeah. do. I, I did hear recently, I don't know if it was specifically that, I thought it might be maybe based on looking through a telescope as well. But it was some version of strengthening one eye. Mm. The other one wasn't, I always assumed the other eye just wasn't there. Right. The patch was, I thought the patch was a favor to the other pirates to not have to look at a bloody empty socket. <laughs> and it turns out there was a little bit more to it. Right. Yeah. Just like a really thoughtful concession to the squeamishness of your shipmates. <laughs> it's very funny. It was the, who everyone with a the patch there was like, ah, oh, thart, thoughtful beard. <laughs> Do you guys now what if you were to be a, an old criminal or a current criminal, what line of criminality do you think? Cat burglar. Really? <laughs> uh, safe cracker. Really? Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So like I feel like there's a kind of technician spe like Yes. Yeah. The, it's the, it's the, I like, cause I would say, I don't know if you feel this way when you write it all, Zach, but I, not to put too, make it too cliche, but I do sometimes feel like you literally hear something click when you're writing. And that thing, that safe cracker I like wearing when you wear the stethoscope mm. and put it against. Yeah. That's everything cool. about it. That's really cool. Too I much, think, yeah. In terms of cat burglar, I think it's just like, I like the idea of being quiet and sort of avoiding any big confrontation. Like I want I want to be sneaky and I don't want to have to shoot anyone, punch anyone, hit anybody with a, like a lead pipe. Uh, I just want to. But yeah, I mean, I guess cat burglars very often are also safe crackers. They're, it's the same. You make a great brother team, the same honestly. Like, yeah, we yeah. would work together. I think yeah. it's interesting, too, because I wonder if cat burglars ever develop feelings of affection. Like if you if you go into somebody's house, I, I always think like this is a part of being single. I always thought was so nice as if in the rare instance in which somebody was kind enough to allow me to go to their home with them. It was such a nice thing to get to see like this little museum to about the person who you're, yeah. you know, on a date with because there's so much information and to go into somebody's home, especially a home that has not been prepped for entry, no one's expecting the cat burglar. So you're just going into this kind of living evidence of who they are and what their life is. And I wonder if anyone's ever just felt like a fondness for the people they're burgling because it's like, oh, that's a picture of the family. This is like, you know, I guess this is where the kids do their, what you know, I don't know, the paintings on the wall. I, I feel like there's a foreign film about this out here that none of us have ever heard of, and it starts good and then is way too long. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Dutch, like, it's like a yeah. Dutch social realist movie that, like, yeah, it's like the length of Titanic. What would your old-time criminal thing be? 
I think either I would like to think pickpocket, but I don't think I would yeah. actually be good at that. I think it would probably be a kind of hucksterism. I'd be like a confidence man or a, a mm. you know, like a like a snake oil guy. I I'm going to say something. Yes. I feel like pickpocket might be better because if I let's say I'm on a crowded subway and I realize my wallet's gone missing, I feel like if I turned around and saw you, I wouldn't think you were the pickpocket. That's nice. You know what I mean? I think that's and I think you would almost be good at and maybe this leans towards the hucksterism that I feel like you would also pant, pat your pants and be like, mine's gone too. And I would just believe it right away. See, it wouldn't have even occurred uh-huh. to me, and which is why I would not be successful. But that's such a good ploy. I yeah. I, th- I heard this crazy thing. I don't know why I'm just now. I feel like I've hijacked your podcast and made it about like old unconfirmed <laughs> lore that I heard. <laughs> but I'm sorry. you. I'm taking you on a trip into the irrelevant and only yeah, marginally everything, As long as it's a trip. As long as we can say it's a trip. But I would say I heard this thing that pickpocketing was such an epidemic in London and I guess the 19th century that they made it a hanging offense. And then they would have these public hangings. But at the hangings, that's where most of the pickpocketing would happen. So there'd be some guy, poor guy getting his neck broken <laughs> up there. And the, because it's like the big cultural event, it's like a Mayweather fight or something. So everyone's there like and you they would pickpocket. <laughs> and the, but the other thing I heard, and this is I can't believe this is true, but they said you could buy their last words. So it was like product placement. So so if I was like uh, a hardware store, I could be like, oh, if you say your last words are, you know, go to Wodensky Hardware, then um, I'll take care of your family. So that was like, wow. But I don't know if that's true. It's really funny that someone in the crowd would watch a pickpocket Say where to shop right before he dies, and go. We should we should go to Radensky's. I need a hammer. I've heard good things about them from the pickpocket. They just <laughs> wait. Where's my wallet though? Oh, yeah. the, right, that's how they get you. The yeah. best answer to what would be: uh, I wish I was a manslaughterer. A manslaughterer. Like I want to kill somebody without premeditation. Because like, I just want to wake up every day. Yeah, I just, I just want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to wake up with any sense of who it's going to be or why. It's an interesting question. Like, yeah, like I always think like involuntary manslaughter is such a weird charge because it's like, well, if it's involuntary, yeah. but I guess that implies you did something irresponsible. I guess I don't think yes, there should be yeah. involuntary crimes, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I mean, again, I think if there's any takeaway from this podcast so far, it's that you've probably been wrong about half of what you said. <laughs> at least, at least. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm pretty sure you might have gone to the inner banks. <laughs> did, you, did you guys ever take, did you ever do air travel as a, as a Woods family? Um, my mom took me to Orlando when I was a kid to visit my great-grandmother. And we went to Newark Airport and she got me lifesavers so that I could suck on them so I would swallow and my ears would pop. And I they gave yeah. me those little wings, you know, those plastic mm. wings. And I was just talking yeah. to a guy I know who's such a sweet guy. And he's a, he's a famous person. And he said he was on uh, a flight <laughs> and the flight attendant leaned down and he was wearing kind of an expensive leather jacket. And the flight attendant tried to put those wings <laughs> into his jacket. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> That's so funny. 
<laughs> was he a grown yeah, person? Yeah, he's an when adult. He's like a. Okay. I don't want to out him just in case, but like he was like yeah, a, no. he's like a recognizable act, like mainstream actor. And so it was like, this is my in. I'm gonna involuntarily wing him, and they tried yeah. to. I'm happy to hear they're still doing it because I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, and I thought it meant something more than a cheap piece of plastic. What did you think it meant? I just thought it meant that something had been bestowed upon me. It was like you were deputized. Yeah. As like, you're like the co-co-pilot at this point. I just picture um, like the like young eight-year-old Myers boys like nodding in fraternity to like old men with purple hearts being like, been there, buddy. Like, I'm- Been there. <laughs> I consider you a brother. <laughs> Do you still, you mentioned uh, traveling with nieces. Do you still travel with your parents ever? Yeah, sometimes. But mostly- It'll just be like, we'll go to a sit, like they'll come up, a lot of times I'll get them a hotel room in New York and we'll just hang out in New York and go to movies and shows and stuff like that, as opposed to going away someplace. Oh, but one time, oh, this was cool. Well, the first movie I ever did was this movie called In the Loop and it shot in London and we stayed in this old- Love. Oh, really? Well, and you know what? We just had Tom Hollander on my show and I think that was the first time I saw Tom Hollander and I love that movie. I- just want to say real quick, the movie's amazing. You're amazing in it. Peter Capaldi is a guy who's also my, I you never had him on the show. Oh, you should want to have him on the show so badly because I love him. But anyway, In the Loop, keep going. Great movie. Everybody should watch it. Peter Capaldi. Kind of a precursor to V. Yes, exactly. It made by Armando Iannucci. Peter Capaldi gave me advice about acting that I thought was so funny, which is he's like, he's a very soft-spoken, gentle guy. I probably asked him for advice and he was like, don't be a furniture toucher. And I was like, what does that mean? And he described this thing that actors will do where they're like really like engaging with their space. And they'll be like, I guess what I was wondering is, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be a furniture I'm really, toucher. I really want to watch anytime you do anything, I'm going to see if you touch furniture yeah. or if you are consciously avoiding touching I refuse. Furniture. <laughs> You'll notice I never open the door. Um, I asked that they suspend me a few inches off of the floor, which isn't even technically furniture. But they, um, so for that movie, they flew me to London where the movie was shot and they flew my father out and they put us out, uh, like everyone could bring one family member to visit. And we were in this like gorgeous old 19th century hotel across from Marlebone Station that was like just beautiful and sort of your fantasy of what British stuff is. And I remember just really crying, basically, because it seemed so improbable that I would get to do this. It seemed so un unfathomable that, like, I'm in this old hotel making this movie that's so fun. And James Gandolfini was one of the leads in that movie. And he was so kind. He would take us out to dinner. He would take us to shows. You know, there was nothing to to be gained from that for him. He was just trying to make us, he could tell we were scared shitless and was just trying to be kind. And having my dad there as like a young guy and being like, look, like my dumbass jokes, like got us to on a British vacation. Like, and then the first thing we did was go to the Imperial War Museum, which is just like a chronicle of the horrors of human suffering. And that was a, you know, that extinguished any good feeling pretty quickly. But, um, <laughs> but you had it for a minute. Yeah. How young you were, you must've been young Zach for that movie. Yeah. I think I was like 22 or 23, but here's the other thing that was amazing, which was Tom Hollander on the ride to set for the first time. He had been on the movie for a while and I'd never been on a movie set ever. And he went, listen, 
the director is not a hugely demonstrative guy. You're coming from America where people are like, if people aren't like setting off a small fireworks display for you after every take, you probably feel like they hate you. But I just want you to know he's he's thrilled. He's having a good time, but he might not seem effusive. So don't be scared if he's if, if there's a kind of muted response and to to be on your way to work and to think to see like this kid who doesn't know what he's doing and be like, oh, I'm going to get out in front of this possible misunderstanding that could put him in his head is such a generous thing to do. I thought that was so sweet. It's so sweet, too, that awareness of, hey, you're coming from a different culture. And I, at that point, Tom Hollander must have worked with American directors and on American sets and noted the difference. And that is such a, yeah, what a gift to give you. And there's just like quiet kindnesses, you know. I feel like, of course, actors love like a grand gesture, but to just like quietly in a car in a way that probably will never find the light of day. No one will know you did it. Just like a small, sweet thing he did. And that that, that was sort of uh, happened a lot on that. So that was kind of the magical. funniest thing about for anybody who hasn't seen it in the loop. It is maybe the most cursing in a film I've ever seen and the meanest people. It's so funny that everybody behind the scenes is so sweet and loving, which is, by the way, what I would expect. I've never had the pleasure of meeting Armando, but it does seem like I would not surprised that the set are loving, supportive places. But the movie is so wickedly funny and filled with terrible terrible people and it's great yeah i think that happens a lot it's like the shadow you know it's like if you're if you're a kind of nice soft-spoken british person you have all of this unexpressed fury and it has to go somewhere and it maybe goes into movies that's a very good last travel story to finish on which is you brought your dad to the hotel outside marleybone station but to be clear i picked a horrible fight with him i mean it was (laughs) (laughs) i got i was like let's revisit this louis armstrong thing Dad, I brought you to England for a reason. Um, All right, Zach. um, My brother and I was going to ask you questions that all of our guests here on Family Trip are asked. Great. All right. You can only pick one of these. Is your ideal vacation relaxing, adventurous, or educational? Adventurous. Very good. Uh, What's your favorite means of transportation? Train. Sleeper train. There you go. Sleeper train. Yeah, baby. Have you done a sleeper? Yeah, let's talk about this. Where? Where'd you go? Oh, I took the California Zephyr from Emeryville to Chicago, Uh although you Zephyr heads will understand that that's the only route that it runs. (laughs) And uh, I also took the Coastal Starlight, or or, wait, sorry, the Pacific Surfliner from uh, Los Angeles to Portland, Oregon. Wow. And do you get, when you're in the sleeper car, is it how many of you are in there? If you play your cards right, there can be upwards of seven. <laughs> Have you seen the DVD Swingers? Not the not the Vince Vaughn. The Swingers. The swingers. <laughs> and you sleep in uh, hammocks, right? That's You're right. in hammocks. That's yeah. right. If, um, if no mildewed hammocks. <laughs> I uh, I hosted the Emmys and the I think the week after the Emmys, Fred had asked me to do a cameo in Portlandia. And my whole plan was to finish the Emmys, and I was so excited I was going to take that train. And then last minute, uh, my wife decided to come to Portland with me, and so then it was weird. We decided to fly, and I do feel like I was robbed of it. Is she not into trains? We had just done – it was bad timing because we had done Amsterdam to Zurich in a sleeper train – which was great, except it was the winter, and so we boarded in the dark. It, you know, so Northern Europe, boarded in the dark, got off in the dark. It was not, kind of lost that beautiful out-the-window part of it. 
which is kind of the whole thing. I think the whole jam. trains move at the pace of my attention span in a way, like right when I'm ready to see something new, something new appears. And I like that mm. you go, go to sleep. Like it's amazing. You like fall asleep and you're looking at the ocean and then you wake up and you're in like a snowy forest. It's just, it's like going from screensaver to screensaver in the best possible yeah. way. As, uh, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know why Amtrak doesn't hire me to, to do their marketing. <laughs> Maybe they will yeah, after this. I hope so. If you could take a vacation with any family other than your own, what family would it be? They could be fictional, they could be real, they could be alive or dead, but a family to go on a trip with. I would like to go, this is truly the first thing that came into my head, on a trip with Donald Sutherland and Timothy Hutton's characters from the end of Ordinary People. <laughs> <laughs> They've been through so much. I know they need a rest. Yeah, and they're going to be okay. They're going to be. That's they what I mean. Be okay. They're going to oh be okay. They're going to be okay. That movie is incredible. I love that. God. <laughs> that it's makes incredible. me really. Yeah, that would be a trip because they're going to have a really good trip. They're due for it. They've been through the. You know, they've been through the uh, fire. They've been through the trouble, and now. But are you just going to start fights between them? <laughs> yeah, don't go, Zach. <laughs> Don't they, go and ruin this for them. I'm going to be like the Mary Tyler Moore stand-in who's just like, brings the kind of like frigid, waspy energy. That's, she's so good in that oh, movie. Oh, dude. Do you remember that one scene where she's he's told her he doesn't love her. She's getting ready to go to the taxis outside. She opens a suitcase and she's been so kind of frosty and unrelenting the whole time. And then she just goes, <gasps> She just gasps, one gasp, and then she kind of recomposes herself and keeps packing her suitcase. It's the most heartbreaking. It's like a Steve Burke moment where you're like, oh, right. It's hell to be in your body. It's hell. Yeah. And you're in such yeah. agony. And that's why you're you're so brittle. That's the issue. But it was such a beautiful, unsentimental way of doing it. I love that movie. That's great. That's, you're the third person who said that. <laughs> For whatever reason, yeah, that is that keep we yeah. should stop asking that question, Josh, because it keeps yeah. leading us to the end of ordinary people. Yeah, it's you, Tom Holland, and Nick Offerman. Um, yeah. um if you had to be stranded on a desert island with one member of your family, who would it be? My mom. I think she's she's the least flashy and the most confident and probably the smartest. All right. Very good. And then uh you are again, you're from Yardley, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Would you would you recommend Yardley as a vacation destination? They very close by do an, a reenactment every year of George Washington crossing to the Delaware to fight the Hessians on Christmas. So every Christmas, guys dressed up like these Revolutionary War soldiers go and they take these big wooden boats. But if it's too icy, as it was when George Washington originally crossed the Delaware, they just carry the boats across a bridge which I think is hilarious. Um, so I would recommend watching the reenactors carry a big, heavy-ass boat across a bridge. So yeah, if you're looking for something to do for Christmas, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, and uh, Seth has our, our final questions. Zach, have you been to the Grand Canyon? I just went a few months ago. Oh my gosh. And is it worth it? Now, I'm being very name-droppy. <laughs> I'm being very okay. name dropping because I alluded to a famous friend, but this one I will name. My judge uh, told me yes. that he was like kind of the troll in his family. Like I, I gather he was kind of the troll kid in the family. So he said they all went to the Grand Canyon and they were all just looking down into the Grand Canyon and marveling. And he just went, I mean, it's not that big. 
which I thought was the funniest thing. When I was at the Grand Canyon, there was a German tour guide who was very, very impatient with the um, Chinese woman in our tour group who didn't speak the language because she didn't remember all of his classifications of different mineral types. And so it was very tense. He'd be like, aren't you listening? Like we were, I said it was sedimentary rock on the top layer, then shell, then like he would quiz people. And then when they wouldn't know, (laughs) he would get really angry. And I, to the point where I like went over to this woman and I was like, hey, are you okay? Like, I just want you to know, like, I didn't remember the minerals either. And like, I don't even think the minerals are really the main attraction here. Like, and we had like a little bonding moment because of this like verbally abusive German tour guide there. But that notwithstanding, I thought it was spectacular and beautiful. And I don't even like nature. What made you go? My girlfriend wanted to go, I think. And I, she really, here's the, okay. I mean, if this might be too personal, (laughs) but or too schmaltzy. But I do think a nice thing about being in love is that you get to see the world through the eyes of your partner. And, and I agree with right? that. And That's things very well that said. are previously kind of unremarkable become um, rejuvenated in some way. And so the way she relates to nature is so touching that even if I don't like the nature, I like watching her like the nature. And so I thought, worst case scenario, I'll look at my girlfriend while she looks at the Grand Canyon like a creep. And uh, and that will be enough for me. That's really oh, good. That's we great. went with our, my spouse and Josh's soon-to-be spouse. The four of us went Congrats. on Tour Mont Blanc, which was this Alps hike, which I would never have thought would be a trip I'd like. And I think the same is true. It was one of my favorite vacations ever, and so much of it was because... Alexi was just so in awe of the whole thing. So yeah, very, yeah. very well said. Hey, you mentioned uh, Mike Judge, and I want to mention in the note, no. you're really funny. Thanks. New show. Congratulations. Thank you. That's nice. You, cre- you co-created it, co-wrote yeah, it? Yeah, with Mike and a, a guy named Brandon Gardner, who is a wonderful comedian. This is a beautiful stop-motion animation there are people, show. Those, that's why I was going to Oregon when I was taking the sleeper cart. There's this animation company called shadow machine in portland and they do them they did guillermo del toro's pinocchio and stuff they're really the best in the world and they it's a fascinating way to get to know people is watching them puppeteer characters because you see pieces of them in the puppets like like the one of the first animators to work on it was this guy malcolm who was this kind of like tough like ironic british guy nice but just kind of like whatever the opposite of sentimental is, I guess, unsentimental. And then he had to animate this scene where these two older characters have this crush that they're both too kind of shy to articulate. And you could see all of this like tenderness and sweetness and softness that was clearly Malcolm's, but you wouldn't, I would have never had access to that if it wasn't coming through these puppets. It was kind of a cool witchy way to get to know a group of people. Well, it huh. is a really great. Thanks. And congratulations on that. And thanks so much for joining us on Family Trips. It's wonderful Thank to see you, you for again. Having me. Yeah, I, I'm always happy to see you. And and I'm so happy we got to talk and meet. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's been a blast. Yeah, I had a really good time. And and thank you for always being such a sweetheart. Always great to see you, Zach. Be well. Good luck with the atmospheric river. Hey, you too. I, I hope it doesn't freeze up. Forcing you to carry the boat across the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. All right, bye. Thank you. Thank you. 
Zekka's in the backseat, chokes his bro Says Armstrong's bad, but his bro says no That's only one example of the fights he's picked But it's classic Zach Woods, road trip conflict Now Zach is at the Walmart, not the lake It's more serenity than he can take He gets wound up pretty tight and you don't want that Cause he'll come out swinging with the wiffle ball bat gap Now he's on a pontoon Hometown is like Regatoon A pleasure from hiding by a treasure, playing books on tape. Chetton makes the world 